Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or use the KPL app. If you don't have the app, go to your app store right now. Well, not if you're driving. If you're driving, wait till you get to a stoplight or something. But if you're not driving, go to your app store, search for KPL News, download the app, sign up there, and you can send a chat to the show. Ask any of your friends, because I know a lot of y'all use the app chat for our shows throughout the day, including here on my show, The Joe Cunningham Show. You can send a message. I read those on the air. I respond to the air. I respond off the air. And I'm just glad to be here. Howdy to Scott, the first one to check in today. Well, before we get started in some national stuff, I wanted to give a quick update. A Lafayette judge has uh, denied Mayor President Josh Guillory's temporary restraining order request. Uh, Mayor President Josh Guillory filed uh, a request for a temporary restraining order against his opponent, uh, Monique Boulay Blanco, who has been, or I'm sorry, Monique. Monique Blanco Boule, excuse me, um, filed a temporary restraining order request uh, wanting her to stop accusing him of corruption, accusing his administration of corruption. Uh, that request was denied, but but it needs to be noted that there is a hearing set for October 4th at 9 a.m. The problem is that that's days after early voting has started. And I know that people have already gotten their mail-in ballots, and some folks are already mailing or getting ready to mail their mail-in ballots in. It should be an interesting election cycle here in Lafayette and here in Louisiana. Now, I want to get to the national news of the day, and particularly I want to focus on the news stories that you're not hearing about. So a buddy of mine, Eric Erickson... Uh, he is a nationally syndicated host. He's the reason I got into conservative punditry in the first place. He's the one who hired me at Red State almost a decade ago. Uh, it was his convention that I went to uh, about a little over a month ago in Atlanta, Georgia, to listen to various presidential candidates speak. Eric points this out. So yesterday, a judge in New York ruled that Donald Trump had defrauded banks and insurers by overinflating his assets, overinflating his net worth. Part of the problem, though, is that the, the Trump's going to win uh, a good portion of his appeal, maybe not all of it, because there's some stuff the evidence does look kind of damning, to be honest. But the judge conflated uh, a tax assessor assessor's evaluation uh, with bank uh, valuations, and that, that's that's a key thing. The judge states that Mar-a-Lago's value is $18 million. The value of quarter-acre parcels of property around Mar-a-Lago, and Mar-a-Lago itself is like 40 acres, but quarter-acre parcels of property around Mar-a-Lago are valued at like 20, 40 million. There's there's a lot of property. There's no way that Mar-a-Lago is 18 million when quarter acre parcels around the property are worth 40 million. The judge, by the way, is a New York judge trying to impose property valuations from New York on a property in Florida. 
there's a lot of problems there. The the judge is also ignoring uh, a court of appeals ruling in New York about this particular case. It's kind of a weak case. Not even uh, what's his face the uh, the Manhattan DA uh, who filed the insanely weak case about the Stormy Daniels stuff against Trump. He wouldn't even touch this particular case. Letitia James, the attorney general of New York, is the one who ended up picking it. Uh, And this judge is notably of the left. So in this ruling, Trump has lost, and that's what they're focusing all the headlines on right now. The major TV networks, as Eric points out uh, today, the major TV networks went all in on this story but have ignored a couple of interesting ones. There is a website called Semaphore. It's a new media. It's a digital uh, news uh, outlet. It was launched by a guy named Ben Smith. You may not know who Ben Smith is by name, but you know his work. He's the guy who ran BuzzFeed News when BuzzFeed News was at the top of its game in the new digital media. Uh, He became a media reporter for the New York Times, a media columnist for the New York Times before going and launching Semaphore, a new digital media outlet. And they have reported this very interesting story. You've probably heard about it from other conservative news outlets by now, that the Biden administration has been essentially infiltrated by Iranians. And it turns out that the Obama administration was, too. They have documents, they have communications, they have a bunch of intelligence That shows that agents of the Iranian regime have been working inside the American government in both the Obama and Biden administrations. Semaphore is not a conservative media outlet. Semaphore is largely made up of left-leaning reporters. Ben Smith is not a conservative. He is a very progressive reporter. So this isn't some conservative hit piece on the Biden administration, the Obama administration. This is something that a lot of the media should be taking seriously, but they're not. Iran set up an influence operation that, if documents recovered from Iran are to be believed, implicate the chief of staff of the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations. A security clearance is needed for that job. Here's a quote from the Here's a, a, a chunk from the story. Tabatabai currently serves in the Pentagon as the chief of staff for the Assistant Secretary of Defense for Special Operations, a position that requires a U.S. government security clearance. She previously served as a diplomat on Mali's Iran uh, nuclear negotiating team after the Biden administration took office in 2021. Another senior advisor on the Middle East and North Africa at the International Crisis Group works in the administration as well. Both of them refused to respond to requests for comment on the Iranian initiative. It's a very big deal. There's another story you may not have heard about. Did you know that the special counsel investigating Biden's handling of classified documents has expanded their investigation? You may not know this. This is being reported by a local media outlet in Washington, D.C. The federal investigation into President Joe Biden's handling of classified documents prior to becoming president has grown into a sprawling examination 
of Obama-era security protocols and internal White House processes, with investigators so far interviewing scores of witnesses, including Secretary of State Antony Blinken, sources familiar with the investigation told ABC News. Federal prosecutors and FBI agents from Special Counsel Robert Hur's office have been interviewing witnesses for nearly nine months targeting an expansive constellation of former aides, from high-level advisors to executive assistants and at least one White House attorney. Several sources estimated that as many as 100 witnesses have already been interviewed, with interviews conducted as recently as last week and some witnesses asked to return for follow-up interviews. Sources who were present for some of the interviews, including witnesses, told ABC News that authorities had apparently uncovered instances of carelessness from Biden's vice presidency, but that, based on what was said in the interviews, it seemed to them that the improper removal of classified documents from Biden's office when he left the White House in 2017 was more likely a mistake than a criminal act. Nevertheless, the special counsel has reached no final determinations, and the investigation was ongoing, ABC News was told. In January, shortly after the news first surfaced that classified documents had been found in a personal office by Biden after his vice presidency, Blinken, a longtime aide to Biden, said he and Biden were both surprised to learn about it. Her's team has cast a wide net gathering documents dating back to the early days of the Obama administration drilling questions about the task of securely updating the vice president on highly sensitive matters. Apparently, according to this report, Concerns about classified documents that they just didn't have any during the Obama years. And that's what led to a lot of these documents. And if you combine that with the story about the Iranian uh, infiltration into American government, that poses a very serious problem. If Iran was able to get folks infiltrated into the highest levels of our government, what about Russia? What about China? What's going on there? And then there's the story I mentioned yesterday, and this one has half the half the reporters in the country are spreading misinformation coming straight from the White House on this one. The Hunter Biden story about money that was wired from the Chinese to Hunter Biden at Joe Biden's primary residence in Delaware. And what's so curious here is that Ian Sims, who is an advisor, a staffer in the Biden White House. is arguing, here's what he tweeted. Imagine Republicans arguing that if someone stayed at their parents' house during the pandemic, listed it as their permanent address for work, and got a paycheck, their parents somehow also worked for the employer. It's bananas. Well, there's a problem there. One, nobody who was living at their parents' house during the pandemic had a parent that was running for president. But even more serious than that is the fact that Hunter according to his rejected plea deal in the gun case, was living in California at the time. Also, the money was wired in 2019. The pandemic didn't start until 2020. The White House is spreading misinformation and reporters are just eating it up. They don't want you to actually pry into this. They're actively pushing back against it. They are all in on telling you that Trump is being fraudulent and his, he's lied to bankers and insurers. He's inflated his worth, everything like that. But they are ignoring these damning stories for the Biden administration.
I wonder why they're doing that. Let's take a break. We will be back in just a minute here on the Joe Cunningham Show. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app chat. Let's take this break. Actually, wait. Before we take our break, we do have to get to our pest of the day. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. What's so interesting here is that the Biden administration is very clearly struggling. They're struggling with everything going on right now. They're struggling with all the negative news stories, and they're trying to hide it. I mean, every politician is going to do that. Every, every administration, state, local, national, all of them are going to try to hide the negative stories. All of them are going to try to ignore it. The problem is that the media is complicit in doing so. That's, that's an issue. We can't, in, in this country, we can't really operate fully without a free and open press and a press that is so very clearly aligned against half the country. That's not a good situation. Let's take a break. We'll be back in just a few minutes here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5. KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation or send a message to the KPL app chat. Shout out to Mike and Dwayne, who I know are listening because they've checked in on the app, as well as Scott, who I referenced earlier in the show. You guys can take part in the conversation as well. Ask Mike and Dwayne. I do respond. Ask Scott. I do respond. I love talking with y'all on the app, on and off the air. All right. It's debate night. I haven't talked about the debate as much. There's been a whole lot going on otherwise. Donald Trump's not going to be there. He's going to visit the UAW picket line uh, the day after Joe Biden did the same thing. I, I, I debated, no pun intended, whether or not to even kind of talk about this. Because, I mean, it's there. It's a thing that's happening and I know that there are some of y'all out there because I'm going to get the email event. I've gotten the email already from somebody because I wrote something about Nikki Haley surging and I got an email from one of y'all listening. I know your listeners in the local area complaining that I just want anybody but Trump. And that's why I'm focusing on these other candidates when Trump's got this clear lead. But hear me out. Hear me out. The debate is news. And even if you are dead set on Trump, some of what these candidates are saying, they're bringing up issues that really do need to be addressed, and we need to be paying attention to those talking points. My friend at National Review, I have several friends at National Review, actually, but one of my friends at National Review, Jim Garrity, Jim Garrity writes, uh, he writes the Morning Jolt newsletter, among other things, among other op-eds over there. But in the morning jolt at National Review today, he writes about the debate and what candidates won't say. Let me just read a bit here. 
Saul Alinsky wrote in Rules for Radicals that most people cannot grasp large numbers and thus most of the voting public is enumerate and effectively mathematically illiterate. A direct quote from Alinsky, The moment one gets into the area of 25 million and above, let alone a billion, the listener is completely out of touch, no longer really interested because the figures have gone above his experience and almost are meaningless. Millions of Americans do not know how many million dollars make up a billion. Now, you know that a thousand millions makes a billion. You know that in your head, mathematically, you know that. But what is being written here, what Solinsky wrote in Rules for Radicals, I know we're quoting that, but just follow me here on this one. The point is, you and I don't have experience with that many millions. I am pretty sure I don't have a billionaire in my audience. If I do please consider making a donation to the Joseph Cunningham Foundation for the Advancement of Joseph Cunningham. But I don't think I've got any billionaires in the audience. Most of us, some of you listening may have a grasp of a million. You might be a business owner. You might have a grasp of a million or a few million. Most of us don't really have a grasp into the hundreds of millions, much less billions. So reading with reading along with Garrity's Morning Jolt. This newsletter has great faith in you, nonetheless, for a little perspective. $1 million, roughly the average annual salary of a mid-range long snapper in the NFL. $1 billion, roughly the estimated value of an average quality National Hockey League franchise. $1 trillion, roughly the gross domestic product or total value of all goods and services produced in a year in the state of Florida. Got it? For shorthand, a million's a guy, a billion's a sports franchise, and a trillion's a big populous state. The current, US, the current level of U.S. debt is $33.1 trillion. That's everything the U.S. owes, including $6.8 trillion in, quote, intergovernmental holdings, which is money that one part of the U.S. government owes to another part of the U.S. government. When you pay your Social Security taxes, despite popular perceptions, that money does not go into, social, uh, into any trust fund. There is no Scrooge McDuck-style money bin somewhere in Washington storing all the money that current workers pay into Social Security for their retirement years. The federal government takes that money and spends it and writes itself an IOU and decides to worry about it later. We are now much closer to later than we used to be. At $6.8 trillion, the government has borrowed from itself effect effectively seven big states' worth of money. To maintain its ability to borrow money, the U.S. government pays interest on the money that was borrowed in the past. Those interest payments are climbing higher and higher. In 2022, the federal government spent $476 billion on net interest costs and the national debt. That total, which grew by 35% from $352 billion in 2021, was the largest amount ever spent on interest in the budget and, near, and nearly equaled 2% of gross domestic product. Skipping down a little bit. For a long, long time, fiscal conservatives, you know, those allegedly merciless tightwads who are always portrayed as pushing granny off a cliff, have warned the rest of the country that the finances for those programs are on an unsustainable path and the rest of the country has hated them for it. This doesn't mean that Medicare would stop paying for senior citizens' health care entirely in 2031, but the payments to hospitals would drop significantly with hospitals turning around and expecting patients to make up the difference. 
Medicare's hospital insurance currently covers 100% of hospital costs after the $1,600 deductible for 65 million elderly Americans. For the first 60 days in a hospital day, Medicare patients pay nothing. For the next 30 days, they pay $400 a day. This is the stuff that the candidates really want to talk about. We are on an unsustainable path. That's what's happening also in Congress right now. The conservatives who will be on the stage tonight, and let's be fair, there's maybe three conservatives out of like the seven who will be on the stage. But the conservatives who are on the stage tonight will make the argument that spending is on an unsustainable path and we have to do something. And they are right. Because we can talk all about the social issues. We can talk everything from the trans and the gays and the, and the race and everything like that. We can talk about that till our faces turn blue. But regardless of whether we do or not, we're still spending ourselves into oblivion. Hey, residents of Louisiana, does that sound familiar? But I digress. The U.S. is spending itself broke. And right now, Congress is at an impasse. Kevin McCarthy essentially stands alone. He's trying to keep the conservatives happy, so he wants to bring in the Senate's continuing resolution and add their border security provision to it. The Democrats won't like that. They will probably try to reject that. The conservative conservatives don't want a continuing resolution. They want McCarthy essentially to burn. This is the Matt Gates crowd. Then you have the responsible conservatives, the guys like Chip Roy. Chip Roy is the probably the most conservative guy in Congress. And if you hear anybody say otherwise, they're grifting you. Chip Roy is probably the most conservative guy in Washington, D.C. His plan essentially is, We've got to get these appropriations bills passed. We've got 12 appropriations bills. That's what we are supposed to do responsibly in Washington, D.C., in the House of Representatives. He wants to pass those. He is okay with a continuing resolution right now if it means they get more time to pass the appropriations bills. The continuing resolution that's coming out of the Senate spends money for the government until November 17th. That gives them a month and a half to go in and fix the problem, to pass these appropriations bills. McCarthy wants a continuing resolution. He wants to keep the conservatives happy. If he doesn't go with the continuing resolution, the moderates get mad and they side with the Democrats to pass the continuing resolution. If McCarthy doesn't try to push for border security in the continuing resolution or doesn't try to push for the straight uh, appropriations bills, he loses the conservatives and they will try to end his speakership. He's not getting any help from the Senate. The Senate Republicans joined with Senate Democrats to pass the continuing resolution. Now, I'm, I'm bringing up these two separate things at once, the debate tonight and what's going on in Congress, because you need to understand At the beginning of 2025, if and when there's a Republican in the White House, a Republican is going to have to go stand in front of the House and the Senate and say, enough is enough. We need to turn our spending levels back. We need to not be spending ourselves into oblivion. We need to be making cuts somewhere. 
and the Democrats will have whining and gnashing of teeth, wailing and gnashing of teeth, but also whining, wailing and gnashing of teeth. But it has to be done. This can't go on. That's what you're going to hear a lot about on the debate stage tonight. The government shutdown is looming. We're just four days away. The government shutdown is looming. The debate is going to have to focus on that. They will try to shove in some other topics. Hopefully they won't shove in too many extraneous topics. This is what the debate needs to be about. What are we spending and why and how can we stop it? Let's take our final break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. <laughs> I'm sorry. Somebody just pointed out, uh, go to kpel965.com or go to our Facebook page, KPL News. So we had reports earlier today of the possibility of a cool front coming through. Rob Perillo has spoken up. You need to go to our Facebook page, KPEL News, or you need to go to kpel965.com or open up KPEL on the app. And you need to see the featured image for that post. I cannot describe to you how amazing that is. And I'm going to have to walk down the hall after this show. And I'm going to have to tell Sydney, who wrote it, just how proud I am of that featured image that she made it. And I think she made it and she ran with it because that is phenomenal. 232-1542, got a couple minutes left. If you want to send a message on the app, you can. Uh, Chris uh, Chris speaking up on the app. Uh, we're reaching a point where the possibilities of capable of keeping up with the interest on our debt will not be possible, much less the debt itself. And he's absolutely right there. Billy chimes in on the app with a point I was about to get to. Billy's ahead of me on this one. Remember what I said at the beginning of the show. The Trump story. The Trump story about the the ruling in New York, that's been the lead today. That's what all the TV networks have been talking about. You know, there's been more print, there's been more ink spilled about Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey than we've gotten about any of this stuff today in the media. More people, more reporters seem to think that writing about Taylor Swift is better. They're trying to make you focus away from the Trump stuff. Billy points out they're going to do the same thing with the government shutdown. They're already doing it. We can't have a government shutdown. It'll be the worst thing in the world. We can't do that. We can't let that happen. See, the Democrats aren't inclined to come to Kevin McCarthy's rescue. They think that a shutdown will be a liability on Republicans. They see no reason to give any help to Kevin McCarthy. They think that a shutdown will hurt the Republicans in the long run. That's what they want because they're trying to save their own butts when it comes to 2024. I'm not sure it's going to have that big of an impact on the Republican Party because who's in charge? Everybody said the Republicans were going to lose in the midterms after the shutdown uh, during the Obama years. You know what happened the very next year, months after the shutdown? Republicans almost won the governor's race in Virginia. Ken Cuccinelli lost to Terry McAuliffe because the Republican Governors Association, the Republican Party, didn't send him any money. And I've mentioned this little fact before, 
and it needs to be repeated over and over again. Can Cuccinelli close the gap at the end of the race with a last-minute robocall that pointed out that McAuliffe was extreme on his position of abortion? And he almost won there. He almost won because of abortion and a Democrat being extreme on abortion. A government shutdown is not going to do that much damage to Republicans, especially if it happens more than a year away from the 2024 election. Keep that in mind. We're going to take this break. We will be back in 23 hours. In the meantime, you guys follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show, email Joe at RedState.com. You guys have a great day. Check out the podcast version of the show if you missed any part of today's show. The podcast is going to be up in a few minutes. You can find it on Substack at Joe, P, uh, Joe Cunningham Show at Substack.com or wherever you get your podcast. If you get your podcast from Apple, Spotify, wherever, leave a rating and a review so the algorithms work their magic and more people will be able to see it. You guys have a great one. I will talk to you again soon. Billy from Church Point. Thank you for your messages, Chris, Mike, all of y'all signing in on the app today. Talk to you again here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL.